Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we're in Brad's beautiful apartment in the real Lower East Side. Eating real Lower East Side pickles. Eating real Thank Lower you, East Side Jonah. pickles. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> I'm sorry to not bring any Bialis this time. But That's okay. I will next time. Um, yes. Uh, today on the podcast, pretty special podcast. It is our first guest ever making a return and we figured this out during the podcast right he's not episode one he's not episode one but he was the first one to record with he's us. the first one to record and we held it for a while when we started this podcast we had a lot of episodes done before we started we, we weren't ready to launch we'd started recording because we knew we wanted to do it but it took us a long time to get our shit together like with just like the website with deciding on the name i mean yeah it took a long time for us to kind of launch which was the actu- business. actually good because then we didn't have like three podcasts and then you wait two months yeah so like, by the time we actually launched we had like 15 or 20 done i feel like yeah we'd been recording for four months I yeah think. so jonah was so this is jonah matranga obviously uh who was um in far uh you know he played under the name one line drawing was in new and original with norman brannon um and uh, yeah, Jonah was the first person to actually do it. And Brad, through his powers of organization and technology, figured out that we recorded this podcast almost exactly six years to the date yeah. of the first time, we, which is insane. Six years we've been doing it. It does this. not seem like it. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jonah is, you know, a friend of the podcast. Uh, he's, you know, me and Steven have known him a long time. And uh yeah, just such a great guy, and he just he's he uh, just wrote a book. It's called Alone Rewinding, and it's a really cool book. Um, I'm about halfway through it, and it's about kind of divided into sections of like a song he wrote, and then kind of like a little story about like where he was in life. And it's a lot about him being a father and sort of his career, and um, you know, far getting signed to a major label. You know, far, you know, kind of came up in the same scene as like the Deftones and that kind of stuff and um had the whole major label post hardcore thing and then Jonah did this whole solo thing and now he's written this book which is really amazing and he's just the kind of guy that's I feel like is just in it for the right reasons is just oh, kind yeah. of has this cult following that kind of supports him and uh you know he has this whole pay what you want model for his art and I feel like he's it's amazing he's he really can, amazing yeah he's just such a good guy that's how he can get away with it you know yeah he's a very <laughs> He's a very likable guy. I actually saw him play a couple nights later. Uh, he played Mercury Lounge. I couldn't make it, but he did a show at our friend's record store, which you guys should check out. It's called Limited to One Record. And uh, my friend Christian and his wife, and they're amazing. And it's uh, on East 10th Street between 1st and 2nd. But Jonah um, read a couple excerpts from the book and played a couple songs acoustic. And it was it was great. I mean, he's just like such a fantastic voice, such like a powerful presence. So uh, yeah, six years later, Jonah Matranga is back. And we're so happy to have him. And, and he still has more to talk about. He still has plenty to talk about. So let's get into it. Before we do, let's quickly give a shout oh, out. Yes. Patreon.com slash going off track. Yes. We now have, a, you know, incentives for you to join the club, get bonus episodes, get outtakes, get yes. some buttons, stickers, T-shirts. That's all coming. But um, check it out. Even if you're not ready to commit. Because there's all different levels you can commit at. And yes. thank you all who have already done so. We've covered our uh, monthly expenses already, and that makes us very comfortable and guarantees that we have to keep doing this. Brad's wearing a jacket made out of gold. And you're not supposed to talk oh, sorry. about Sorry. I mean, Brad's wearing an <laughs> Army-Navy jacket. He got a thrift store. No. Uh, well, and this is interesting, too, because we kind of had talked about with Jonah. I was like, 
was like, everyone does pay what you want now, but like you were doing this like 15 years ago. Yeah. Like with your it's merch. amazing. Like he, kind of, he invented it, man. He invented it. Um, and also uh, while we're shouting out uh, Pulse Music. Pulse Music. Oh, Th- yeah. Thank you so much. All these are recorded at Pulse. All these are recorded at Pulse. If, if you like the way they sound, which I'm sure you do, uh, they're recorded at Pulse. You can also record there. And uh, we do this with Stephen, Stephen Grywalski, who's an amazing, amazing producer and a great guy so you can thank- call him the engineer i'm the producer you're the producer steven's the engineer <laughs> an amazing engineer and uh yes so thank you to steven although he is a great producer he is a great of producer music. yes 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 <laughs> thank you for pointing that out brad sorry i'm not up on all the terms but uh okay that's enough of that uh let's get into this with jonah this is a really fun episode and uh you can listen to it now <laughs> uh, Steven, so do you have something you want to say? Well, I, th- okay. I guess bring it full circle. So this is the our fir- last podcast. This is our last one. <laughs> it's We're about done. to be. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks to all the patrons for Patreon. Uh, you sent us over the edge. We can retire. No, when when we first decided to do this, this podcast, uh, this podcast. Uh, not this episode, but the podcast in general. Going off track, this podcast. Going off track, this podcast. Well, the time was called Off Track. And oh, then right. somebody very smart said, no, ABC has something called Off Track. <laughs> you don't really want to mess with Disney. Just change the name. Um, and so, Wish we had done that with the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> but the first person we said we had to have on was uh, today's guest, Mr. Jonah Matranga. Hey. Yeah. And I was wondering on the train right here if... Because we recorded the episode way before we released it, like months before we released mm-hmm. it. If we actually might be on the, on the what is it, three years now? Three-year anniversary of the first recording? Uh, dude, like, it's way more than yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. It's what three, it's dude, it's like five. six years. Yeah. Past five? Yeah. God. It's like six years. We've done like the first 270 release was 2012. Something. Oh, wait a minute. You're right. I had children. Yeah, yeah. No, I was relevant, so it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2012. It was like either spring or late winter of 2012. I had an afro. Oh, my God. You yeah, did have an afro. Yeah. He had hair. I had yeah. a career. The yeah. music industry was a thing. You, no way, dude. The music industry is, but you've always, always, you've always been one of those people that has been like, like, like towing the line. You're like, you're, you're, the consistency of Jonah Matranga has been since I first met you, which was in 2004. How to be? I just started it. No, 2002. I just started at Fuse, and I went to um, the Jade Tree Showcase, right? No, it was no, before that. Before no, it was that. the Jade. It was I was working. I think it was the pierogi, though the Polish something something. That was it. It was at the Warsaw. It was the Jade Tree Showcase, and I was supposed to be interviewing you for CMJ. Mm-hmm. CMJ, no, no longer any kind exactly. of J. It's over. There's no college music. <laughs> and, um, and or music this- or college. It's called Southwest Southwest now. <laughs> exactly. God. And I went and I went to the showcase and, and was like you and the explosion mile marker something. mile marker yeah. <laughs> um, Denali oh, yeah Denali played mm. uh, it was a good showcase and I went to the merch table and you mm. were just there selling stuff <laughs> and I introduced myself and you're like hey I gotta go and I was like okay I didn't know where you went and then there was a sign that just said uh, pay what you want gone to rock and then I hear you on stage and that that was it. And you were up on stage. But the first time I saw you was at Irving Plaza with From Autumn to Ashes, Planes Mistaken for Stars, yeah. and Thursday. Yeah. And you went out and I think did 
probably Mother Mary with him. Did Mother Mary with Thursday? I was, I think I did something with from Autumn Tasha's as well. They were the one where the drummer sang, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fran. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. It's You're, always been Jonah. Yeah. It's always been Jonah Matranga. And it's I, all in the book. I had a Jonah experience last year. I was on Jonah Ray's podcast <laughs> in LA and we called Jonah Matranga. Yes. Yes. That we were was talking a good about moment. Jonah's and he was, I was like, I have Jonah's number and Jonah answered. So you can check that out on Jonah Radio. Yep. Jonah Radio. Yeah. And I just met Jonah Smith. I think he's a songwriter dude that's kind of going around. He's doing okay right now. But he didn't know of the power of Jonah, so we've got to bring him yeah, in. Yeah, there aren't a lot of us. No. More and more, but, you know. Yeah, we're, we're the originals. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that is true, because it was always, if you mentioned Jonah, you would say, Bear Matranga. Yep. It was always, which one? Which yeah. one? Which always led to a lot of confusion whenever I was talking to anybody, because yeah. they people knew how close I was with both of you. So like, what? Who? I'm like, but they're it. And now, then, when United Nations was really going, actually, even uh, I think at least one person has. I've had a text conversation that's gone on long enough before I've understood that it was for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> happened a lot. <laughs> so, Stephen, yeah, you were you were it, we we recorded. Jonah's podcast on October 12th, 2011. So oh, it's almost... Wait, almost, what the fuck? We're so wow. close. Wait, what's <laughs> the date today? Oh my God. What's, what's even happening right Today's now? Today's the 17th. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So almost it like, wasn't released until much, much later, but... Uh, almost exactly six years ago. Holy shit! That's when it was recorded. Wow. It wasn't released until, like, I think July or June or July of the next year. That is pretty wild. It's also, I don't know how you figured that out, Brad. <laughs> I, that was amazing. Yeah. It's Google Docs, baby. Wow. <laughs> Google Docs, ladies and gentlemen. Google Docs. Yeah, well, that means you had to enter it somehow. That's, that's what's remarkable about that. Yeah. Brad is ridiculously, ridiculously organized. No. So, Jono, <laughs> what are you doing in town? I am playing some shows. Yeah? Yeah, playing, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a Brooklyn thing at a thing place called Wayward Social, um, which I've never heard of, but... And then doing the good old Mercury. Nice. On Sunday. I mean, you know, that. When does this come out now? Does it come out sooner than before? Yeah. <laughs> or is it still irrelevant? It'll come out sooner. A year. Anyway, I'm here playing shows. Edit. Um, yeah. You, you, don't, you don't have the R2D2. I don't. Okay. No. No, I mean, it's at home. Yeah. But yeah. You, did, you did one line drawing reunion shows once, right? I did one line drawing breakup shows <laughs> sometime. Again, way back when, and that was probably, I think I've brought R2 out when I've played local shows once in a while and I remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, I actually, it's funny, I wore the shirt, of course, on purpose for this, and at this point, it's sort of, a, it, it it gives me humility, because at every show, still, someone is like, where's the robot? <laughs> <laughs> so it's good, it's good to, yeah. To know that the most important part of your career is summed up by a, a toy robot that you got. No. But, you know, something Steven said about you, uh, which kind of, like, I think you were very prescient about, was the kind of pay-what-you-want model. Like, uh, I feel like that's how everything kind of, not how everything is now, but I feel like that's, yeah. a lot of, like, donation-based things are like that. And I feel like you were the first guy that kind of pioneered that, especially with punk kids, who I assume would be really cheap. Yep. Yeah, it was. It wasn't always a winning proposition. <laughs> Still hasn't been, but yeah, no. And it's. I, I don't know. Um, 
so now I'm going to have deja vu this whole goddamn time that I'm going to somehow tell the same stories that we told six years ago. So who knows what's going to happen? But <laughs> that's okay. We're going to start charging for those other episodes. At soon. some point, there you go. Um, at some point, do people charge for things anymore? Um, <laughs> at some point, my mom showed me this. This uh, so I was a paper boy when I was little, and we were the poorest family on our street. So I would have first pick of the trash on on trash day, and I would notice that all our rich neighbors had stuff that looked perfectly usable to me. So I'd grab it on my paper route then bring it home and then i would have yard sales every few weeks with this stuff that i'd found in the trash and i just kind of had a big backlog and didn't care so i made little flyers that said pay what you want yard sales and this is you know i'm 10 11 12 or something like that at this point and so my mom pulled out a flyer after i'd been doing the shows for a while and i realized i've i guess i've just kind of always been that way is that part of like some grander like ideology do you think or I think it's, no, nah, I, I mean, I suppose so in the sense that, yeah, I, I hate most of the world um, and how it's built and how it runs and fixed pricing is, sure, that's part of it, I guess. But I wasn't thinking about 12. I think it's also, it's a convergence of maybe my high-minded idealism and just being lazy as fuck and just not wanting to worry about pricing things and um and i suppose it was just a simple thing it shows because if a kid comes up to me at a show i think it started pretty organically it shows because someone i think probably just said i've only got seven bucks and the shirt was 10 bucks and i was like well of course take the shirt and i think i just started building that in because i wanted that conversation to happen more and i wanted people who might be a little short or for whatever reason were feeling like maybe not getting something i would much rather them have it for a few bucks less. It's also the trust. You know what I mean? Like you, I remember the sign would say sliding scale, mm -hmm. pay what you want, but then you'd go play and the stuff would stay there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did, did the worst ever happen or? No. I mean, not that I know of, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I can't imagine stuff wasn't stolen at some point. Uh, and no, nothing, nothing terrible ever happened. And yeah, no, and, and it always had a funny way of working out. It still does, I swear. It's someone will come up and give me five bucks and want, you know, a book or whatever, you know, something that costs 20 bucks. And and I, I've, I've always stuck to it. Um, I think the one, there are only a few times when I have not stuck to it where someone's like, can I pay 10 bucks? And they hand me a 50, and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Come on. Come on. Um, so so I'm not once, once in a while I've at least spoken up. But, I, but even when I just let it go for whatever, someone else comes up and does give me a 50 and takes, you know, a couple records or whatever. And so clearly gives me way more than I need. And uh, it's so, it's neat. It's neat how it's happened. But yeah, I think it just, I just don't give a shit about, I mean, I get, I get making a living. I do. I just, it's sort of like with clothes, like I'll wear them because I don't want to be the guy that walks around naked, but I think they're fucking stupid. Right. So I'm going to care as little as possible about it and put as little of my attention on it as possible. And I think that's the way I am with money. It's like, I get that it's a thing that I need. I am actually, I really love, you know, making it in fun ways. And I never count it at the end of the night. Whenever people give me money at the end, I never count it. Like when people, like at the merch table at the end of the night for sure, it's... I just don't. I just because it, it just doesn't it it doesn't matter to me. Um, as long as I know I've got enough for next couple months rent, then then I'm good. 
Jonah's wearing like a ten thousand dollar watch too. Yeah, by the yeah, way. yeah, it's yeah, 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 like yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's if you like my shimmering. hairstyle, it was really <laughs> your entourage. A hundred bucks. Is someone... disgusting. Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah, posted yeah. this incredible photo the other day of you and Chino from the Deftones. Oh yeah, where you guys look like you're like twelve years old. No, <laughs> was that from like the far? Era yeah, I guess that was us in uh, England. I think. Um, yeah, this is the, the. I think the first time, first or second time that Deftones took us overseas. Um, I want to say the first, and it was the. It was fall of '97, right around now. We should check the date on that. <laughs> yeah, another Brad, crazy get the date on that. Going on. <laughs> um, it's Rock City, Nottingham. Deftones, Far, Wilhaven. Um, yeah, so that was that. That was that night. I wouldn't have known that, but um, someone out there. It's nice when all the Deftones stuff. My most well preserved stuff from back in those days is all the Deftones stuff because Deftones have fans that cataloged everything. It's it's sort of astonishing. So anytime I was on one of those shows, I'm psyched because at least that part was preserved. Yeah, Monster Magnet fans aren't as good at preserving. No, that. No. <laughs> no. I thought about uh, Far today, uh, not just because you were coming in today, but. Uh, part of my ritual for wasting time when I'm supposed to do things is uh, FXX channel has a little mini marathon of parks and recreation every day. Mm-hmm. And as I was you know, wasting time and I was watching one, it was an episode where one of the characters, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, they discover that uh, her cousin is genuine. Nice. And a um, related subplot. Aziz Ansari is his character's like trying to date Rashida Jones and she's like, what's a genuine? He's like, she doesn't know what genuine is and it flips out and I was like, wow, how timely. Yeah. Are we talking, you know, what, that, some good apropos. Yeah, what was, the, that was part of the, uh, you guys got back together for fun and that was where? Yeah, I mean, well, Far used to play Pony, not perform it, but we would play it as part of our sort of like house music because <laughs> we, we liked having music that wasn't just sort of other rock that sounded like us and we kind of wanted to loosen people up and we always just loved that track. So when we were getting back together, uh, we were trading ideas for what we would even do, hanging out. And I wanted to make a covers EP, actually. I wanted to do that and some other stuff. And I just thought that would be such a fun song to do. It's simple. It's timeless. It's ridiculous. It's, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we did it. Um, and it, it turned into the most popular thing we ever did. And by the way, I want to address this. I'm not just being sort of falsely humble or being sad about sort of when I, the non-career jokes. I mean, first of all, it's true. Like it's, I mean, it's, I'm so unbelievably off the grid at this point. And, and I don't mind that. And the sweet part about it is that what it's down to is there's just this really sweet little crew that essentially supports me and has for the last little while but i haven't put a record out on any label of any repute or anything or gotten any sort of advance or any money for anything except for what this really small group of people gives me at shows or for kickstarters or for whatever Mm -hmm. and so i'm telling the truth and within that is this like it's actually it's not oh woe is me it's actually how fucking lucky am i that i still get to do this without having any real relevance in in sort of the broader pop culture um yeah i mean i'm not in any of the history of emo books you know it's okay really no that that, that nothing feels good not in there i don't know what the yeah, other but ones he are, didn't but. and all due respect to the man i've never met but i know jonah knows him but i, I the get up kids came by fuse a million years ago and i said hey i just read nothing feels good and they got really quiet and i said what's up and huh. they went he never interviewed us huh and I was like, okay, and that kind of like 
knock that out. And, you know, it's, um, you know, what's the, what's the old man who shot Liberty Valance? Uh, print the facts or print the legend. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I always get, I, I'm always that silly guy who was like, yeah, emo is great. And I go, I think that embrace record is amazing. And then people get quiet. You right, know what right, I mean? Right, sure, like, sure. Except for Tom Mullen, who we all love. Oh, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you've mentioned books. I got to be on that show. I got to be on his washed up. You got to be on. We keep, we keep talking about sure. that. We keep talking about that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway, so that's not me. I mean, just being whatever. So what, like, what kind of keeps you going, I guess? Cause I feel like, does that ever get discouraging or do you have a more posy attitude? Like you're saying now, you know, like what kind of keeps you like keep making stuff, I guess, what like kind of inspires you to keep going? I mean, mostly it's the same thing that I always did, which is that an idea just kind of wakes me up or gets me excited. And I've always just wanted to finish it just for that because I figure it's there. So let's do it. The fact that I learned somehow to sell it and got lucky enough to get some money for doing it is ridiculous and wonderful to me. Um, as far as, as far as the, the, commercially whatever part of it there is there is less and less i mean especially after finishing the book i mean it, it i feel like i don't know maybe something's over i'm not sure and um i'm sure i'll sound stupid if in a year i'm like busy as hell and doing all sorts of stuff but i don't know i i just i still love making music as much as anything and wow would i not want to be an artist trying to figure out how to make money off of music at this point i mean it's just so as far as I can tell, it's so unbelievably diluted and there's just to keep in touch with people through all of the different, you know, DMs and this thing. You know, I've got 18 inboxes now and it's a, it's just a full-time job for very, very little uh, reward of any sort. So I think what motivates me is this, yeah, it's just fun and there is something about the people that have stuck around. Um it's it i'm sure it sounds pretentious and hyperbolic and everything to to think of them as family but in writing the book i realized that the two centers of my life for my adult life have been raising my kid and this crew of people um which has never been particularly big in any of the bands but it's gotten smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter and you know these pants were literally given to me i forgot my pants this store because i was like freaking out leaving and grabbing all a bunch of stuff and and i jokingly mentioned that at the first show where there were, you know, 40 people and three pairs of pants were brought the next night to a comic shop in Somerville, you know, in my size, you know, that people didn't buy. These are just people's pants, you know, that happened to be my size. I mean, so that kind of stuff, I don't know, that stuff really lights me up. You know, I think that's, again, that's to me the way the world should be is just that there's just sort of this, I don't know, there's just this neat kind of fluidity and it's not about amassing a bunch of loots, but everyone just kind of takes care of each other and does their thing. And so I guess I really love that I've got a little world and I, I, I don't feel obligated to anyone, but I do feel like as long as there are enough people that give a shit that, that I'll get supported for making music, I feel like I should keep going. I mean, as long as making music still, you know, is fun. Um, yeah. And this, and yeah. And again, the book, which I'm sure we'll talk about more or whatever, but yes. that I keep mentioning, that was that was a total experiment. It was a total crowdfunding experiment. I had no idea if anyone would give a shit about me writing a book. But um, but we're in it. Like when? How how long? But people is... paid a bunch of you know. It was the the not that I ever made a ton on Kickstarter, but it was the highest funded thing that I ever did. 
Um, and it was a total experiment. And I had, and that was all based on, again, this little crew of people that just trust me to, to come through with these ideas. And it's, yeah, it's not super humbling and it is super inspiring. And, um, and I'm pretty depressed a lot these days about other things. And it kind of bleeds into the, the art and the career stuff. And the letters I get and the interactions I have with people, they keep refreshing. If I ever forget how cool this is for me, then people remind me every time, every single time. It's, it's amazing. What's been, what's been like the, aside from, as I like to put it, the world, but like, what's, is there any specific things that's been bumming you out or? I mean, mortality. Um, I guess that should yeah. bum everybody out. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, what did I, what that's, I just that's a real read? thing. So, um, I, I just read somewhere someone said that, uh, I can't remember if it was where I read it, who said it, but it was, uh, oh, it was that show The Good Place, mm. which I don't that's watch, right. but a friend of mine quoted, he said, this is the best thing ever. And it was somebody is set in heaven or whatever, and someone just discovered death. Yeah. And she said, that's why humans are always just a little bit sad because we know that death is part of it. Yeah. And I was like, oh. It's not bad. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, that, that'll always be at the forefront there. So no, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a little lost right now. My kid's growing up and she was kind of the whole center of everything yeah. and, and she still is and she's doing her own thing and I've got to learn how to kind of let her go and do that thing. And, um, and yeah, the, the, the music career money part is getting less and less and that has been another huge focus of mine and I'm not sure where that's going. Um, yeah, and yeah, the world, this the world that we refer to is a uh, it's a real thing. Um it's and it's not it's not Trump. I mean, it's fine. He's whatever he is, but it's 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 really all of the like my middle-class white friends who just appear to be super okay with us just spinning off into the apocalypse and just like as long as, you know, white supremacy keeps on like doing its thing and it's it's been really it's been really, really fucking depressing for me, actually. Um, yeah. It's been getting me down. It's, I think it was, it was an interview with uh, Springsteen who was talking about it. And he was like, I have these friends and all of a sudden I find myself going, shit, I thought I knew you. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's, it'll bump in there. Well, let's flip it. Let's flip it because you mentioned it <laughs> and I want to talk about it. Because uh, there's just too much sad. Well, first and well, foremost, before we talk about the book, I want to say, I think... The music industry caught up to you because that's kind of what I was saying too. Yeah, what yeah. you're saying, like with the pay what you want, do what you will. You have been, and you would always say, uh, you know, loving, living, and small, mm-hmm. loving, living, small, and yep. that has been how the the myth of the giant artist making gazillions of doing all this and not having to really work. You've been someone who's been, you know, your own troubadour, working and making a living, and you know, and you're like. My career. This you, this is your career. This is yeah. your profession. This is what you do. Yeah. And only job you, I ever had. You are sustainable. You know. Yeah. You're uh, organic. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> it's real. It's it's actually true. I know. I don't know how it happened, but yeah. The, it it. No, I mean in two thousand. You know, because you know, there's Patreon and all that stuff now, yeah. and I've been messing with a, a kind of DIY version of Patreon too, and looking at that kind of model right now with people just kind of creating one kind of ongoing relationship with people as opposed to multiple releases. And so, I but I in 2000 I did a thing called Always New, which was a monthly thing where I made a song every month, and 
uh, and made a little website with it and pictures and stories and stuff, and people paid me every month for it. And so I didn't know it, but I was doing crowdfunded patronage yeah. then. So, yeah. No, it's it turns out that a lot of my strange little ideas ended up being what's what a lot of people do now. Yeah, that's true. You started out with an idea of, well, I mean, everybody in here knows what I got into punk, it was community and it was outreach and everything through shows and lucky enough to live in Northern Virginia where it's just like, yep. you're going to go see Fugazi? Sure. You know what I mean? And that's that kind of world. But that's, I've never not seen you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, even on, even when you were doing a uh, gratitude, when I saw you on Warp Tour. Yeah. It's it all I've way. ever known. And yeah. It's all oh, I've yeah, ever really I forgot about when we were, we were on Warp Tour together. Oh my God. <laughs> you remember right. that? <laughs> yep. And Paramore was on the yep. the, the Ernie Ball stage. The, they were on the, that Shearer Girl truck, and then maybe they were on like an Ernie Ball stage at one yeah, point. Yeah. That was a long time ago, dude. That must have been like two thousand three, two thousand four. Yep. And I think I think Fall Out Boy set the merch record or something like that. Yep. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that tour. That was a crazy tour. Yes. And actually, I remember very little of that tour, frankly. That I just named basically the two things I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, there were no, it wasn't drugs involved. Gratitude. I, just, I don't know. That was, that, you guys are on a major label? We were on Atlantic. You were on Atlantic. That's right. Yeah. You played. You came, you came by, it was, it was this weird time at Fuse where, yeah. where the, um, I can't remember who was in charge then. There's been so many, but they decided, I, I don't like him, meaning me. And so you came to play, and you're playing on the show, I think it was The Sauce. I'm not sure what the hell the show was at the time. Daily, I don't can't remember. But you were playing, but I wasn't hosting. And I remember being someone being like, that's his friend. <laughs> and I didn't get to do the interview or anything, but you came, and I just got to come to soundcheck yep. and hang out. And, uh, they give you a wristband. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's a wristband. <laughs> but yeah, grat- I dug gratitude. I yeah. saw you guys a bunch. I, we were all right. Yeah. Do those songs ever sneak back in? Oh, I mean, I sing. I sing stuff from all the bands still. Do you do mm-hmm. any new and original stuff? Yeah, I mean, well, that's that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are all tunes that already existed. Those are all essentially one line drawing songs. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Line. Yeah, I mean, that's why the anagram thing, because uh, like new and original is an anagram for one line drawing. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was me and Norman. It was going to be a one-line drawing record that me and Norman were like compiling songs for, and he was going to kind of help make it. And then the songs kind of got transformed enough and just felt different that uh, we thought, okay, let's make a band. So we rearranged the letters, made a new band name. So that, to me, was always kind of an electric one-line drawing record. And especially after we broke up so fast, then it was really an electric one-line Didn't drawing Didn't Luke record. Warm end up on a commercial Norman told us? Like it, a Coke commercial or in Thailand or something? It, yeah, it was, that was a sort of a, an inter whatever thing where um, they were trying to get it for the big ad campaign and I was saying no to that and they were offering more and more money and while that was happening they said, hey, like, you know, can we try it out in, yeah, these, I think, yeah, it was like weird, strange markets. It was, you know, can we just do that and give you a little bit of money and we'll work out this bigger deal. And I was like, and I was really just tired at the time. I was like, okay, fine, just do that. And and then I kind of kept stewing over the thing. And we didn't end up doing the big deal. But yes, it did apparently air somewhere. I think Steve Thursday was playing Big Day Out or something. And he called me up or wrote to me or something like that and said that he had seen it. But that's the only, that's the only thing I've ever heard about it actually airing. Yeah. 
And you were just like, no, nah, I'm not. Like, how did they find you? Or they just the director, I think, of the commercial uh, just liked it and was you know and and just knew indie rock or whatever mm-hmm. and knew the J Tree catalog or something like that and um, and so Dane Dane Johnson, I believe that is his name. Uh, he th- they called us up. Um, at first, it was just a rep from somewhere, and the first offer was seventy five thousand. And I said no. I kind of did the math really quick, and after taxes and the splits, would be like thirty grand. And I was kind of pissed at the new one at Scott and Charlie because they'd left really early, and but then still wanted, you know, a quarter of the money. And mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, nah, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna like a like have my voice all over this Coke commercial and give away the money to these dudes. At, at the time, I, I, I'm totally cool and I love them, but at the yeah. time, I was kind of hurt. Um, and then on the phone call when I said no to the seventy five. She immediately said, "Well, how about 150?" <laughs> and it's and, quite a difference. Yeah, yeah. And at first, it I was almost stunned into saying yes. Like, oh, a, you really were gonna a, fuck me, weren't it you? It was it was a bit of yeah, no, it was a bit of deer in headlights. And then and then my little fuck you rebel part was uh, I just thought, oh, I like in my I was like, oh, they've got like a, this huge bucket of money yeah. that they can just sort of like buy things with. And so then my kind of pride kicked in for better or for worse. And I didn't say no right then, but it stopped me from saying yes right then. And then I went around to kind of family and friends. like So that one would have been 60 for me after taxes and after everything else. Like, And I was sort of... And that's, you know, it's pretty much more money than I've ever had in the bank at one time or anything like that. And, um, and the person that came the closest to convincing me was my grandpa. Because he just... You know, he grew up in the Depression. He was in like seven foster homes in the Depression. And, and he grew up at a time when Coca-Cola was, was, was a Statue of Liberty. You know, it was just sort of... And, and he just could not understand it. And he wasn't mad at me, but just the incredulous look that he right. would give me. It was just... It, that was the one thing that was kind of gnawing at me. But I just... A, I decided I can make this much money. Like if I... I was doing pretty well as one-line drawing and and touring and... I was like, I can make this. This is not, it's not a life-changing sum of money. It doesn't, I don't get to buy a house. I don't get to fund my daughter's college. I don't, like, not, not, it would go a long way towards one of those things. But I don't know, it just wasn't that. And in fact, I did, I called them and I did get to talk to Dane. I I talked to the director. I kind of did all of this stuff. And they're like, who is this guy? Like, (laughs) they just had no idea what to do with me, but they really wanted the song. So I, I called him up and I said, look, if you can somehow structure this and do this where I end up with $200,000, then, because that would have been a hundred grand for down payment on a house, a hundred grand into my daughter's college fund. And I was like, if that could happen from one stupid song that I wrote on my couch, then fuck it. You know, I'm just going to work it out. So they said no um, to that, which made it easy. But ultimately for me, it wasn't some, you know, some big idealistic thing. It was just that I just had this picture of people walking up to me at shows going, oh yeah, I I saw you, you know, I heard your song on the Coke commercial. And I just, I know that's a way that a lot of bands have made a lot of fans and a lot of careers. And at this point, it seems so ridiculously quaint because every band ever, because, you know, Bonnie Vera does whiskey guitars and, you know, everyone's on, you know, you know, falling over themselves to get on commercials, you know, and to get on the next, you know, spot on the whatever. And so I totally get how it sounds. And I just didn't, I just didn't want that. I, I think having a kid and playing music 
there was a thing about touring where I realized that even if I was doing really, really well, if I wasn't having fun out there, if it wasn't feeling really, really communal and interesting and whatever it is that I love about life and music, then it just wasn't worth being away from her. I couldn't justify it. Like I couldn't justify it to myself. Um, I I knew how much she missed me. I was still, you know, scared that I was kind of screwing her up by coming and going the way musicians do. And it just wasn't worth it to me. And that was kind of part of a, I can't have a career that's on, you know, on a Coke commercial. Like I just... Well, I mean, I remember, you know, pre-aughts, it just wasn't done at all. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. Is I mean, you were kind of in the middle there, but I mean, there was, you didn't do it at all. That was the end of your career to license to a TV. And And even when I was, even I, I, I did about the worst thing because I didn't say yes and just take the money. Uh, And I also talked about it with like on my little message boards back on their message boards and people hated me just even for thinking about it so i kind of got the worst of both worlds it was pretty much the worst possible decision um for the kind of community that would yell at you for signing to a major label right yeah yeah and that no and, and you're right that's what it was back then it was a real thing and and that wasn't i already wasn't a particularly cool entity with what year was this you know, this would have been I guess I guess at the time the offer came in, it was oh three, two or yeah, three. Yeah, so it was right when things were turning. Right when things were turning. Yep. Because I forget when that first iPod commercial came out. I feel like that first iPod. It commercial wasn't was the iPod. You know what it was? What, what, I honestly think it was the, the Volkswagen commercial. Uh, oh, do you remember those? That was the Nick Drake. The Nick Drake. It was Pink Moon. Stuff. Pink Moon broke the seal. And the Walkman. Yeah. Their first well, they were record. using they were using all unknown, relatively unknown artists. Yeah. Is what was happening. So you hear this fucking word, you go, what the fuck was that, man? In 2002 or 2001, I think McDonald's licensed the Walkman. Okay. And it was like, the, it was just, I don't even think that it was any vocals of the track. I think it was 30 seconds of the intro. Right. And I was like, that's the fucking Walkman. And yeah. that to me was like the real start of it. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it was just not done at all. Yeah. It was no. just not an option. No. And I didn't have that much to lose from that. It was still just a, a small thing. So it wasn't a super marketplace-based decision for me. It was just a kind of a little quiet personal thing. And um, yeah, and sometimes I regret it. Um, but I would say I, you know, I 15% regret it and 85% I'm super, super happy. Yeah, you made the decision it. for the right reasons right at the time. Yeah, you know? it, it, and, it still feels solid to me. I don't feel like I was coming from a stupid place back then. Yeah. I just once in a while, I just go, well, gosh, that money would have been this money. And so basically when I'm feeling poor now, I'm like, but I turned on all this money. What am I doing? You know, yeah. kind of thing. And I've said no to lots of other things too, but nothing that was that much money on the other side of the, yes, there were right. other things that could have led to a lot of money, right. tours or whatever, that stuff. But that was the, that was the big no. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk this book, man. Yeah, that's then that's in there. I love it. That that story begins the living small chapter. Were you trying to say what haven't I done? <laughs> were, I did, mean, had you had notes? Do you have journals? Are you that guy? Nope. Um, I, I the journals that I did go back and read because um, I have scribbled over the years. Sometimes I've gone through periods of it, but no, they they were nonsense. When I I mean, some of them that were literally illegible. I couldn't read my handwriting. Um, <laughs> And the stuff I read, it was just, it was, it was journal entries. It was stupid and self-conscious and nothing productive at all. Um, no, that, yeah, that was based a little bit on wanting to stay home. And I, the whole crowdfunding thing in my head was based on, I want to try and get enough money together 
so that I have a, a reasonable excuse to stay home for a little while because I was really tired. I was just, yeah, I was just really physically and emotionally tired. And so I wanted to stay home. And I thought, yeah, and for a while now I've been thinking and I'm still thinking a lot about what can I use my brain for besides making music? What, you know, are there other things that I can do with this? Uh, and so, yeah, and I, I mean, my nickname growing up was literally Bookman. I mean, I've always really, really adored books and uh, admired authors. And so I figured I'd give it a shot. And, you weren't just a big fan of good times? Yeah, exactly. And this is the irony, Buffalo Butt. Anybody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brad? No. <laughs> Ain't we lucky we got him. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so no, it was just a, it was just wanting to stay home. And, and there has been for a little while now this kind of what has this life been. Everything, yeah. for a while I was going so hard just raising my kid and making the money to keep her safe and um and because of the way I've done most of my music it's so hands-on it's just mailing out all the orders and keeping in touch with people mm -hmm. so it's a very 24-7 thing and and I just don't I didn't really remember much of what had happened and so I wanted to kind of see what I did and initially it started out where I was going to call people like you guys and and do kind of an oral history of me and just go to go, go like, okay, so what do you remember about 98? You know, do you, what do you remember about meeting me? Who was I to you? How did I, you know, what did you observe when you saw mm -hmm. that? And I was going to kind of put all that together and just sort of see what other people saw and kind of match it up with whatever my memories were. And I had a couple of those conversations. They were interesting. And then I realized I was just going to be writing somebody else's flawed memories. And, and <laughs> it would feel weird writing something I didn't remember myself in my memoir kind of thing so then i just kind of trashed all of that and the whole, the book is literally just not everything i remember but it's it's only things that i very clearly remember and so there's a lot of sort of gaps in some ways but it turned out to be a really good narrative i mean i think yeah i think did, it's, it's pretty good narrative. did you have like a process to like for writing it like did you have a routine no. like, because I feel like I'm always like I should write a book, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, but I kind of want to watch Shark Tank. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I say it. I I say it half jokingly, but I now know why authors are alcoholics and kill themselves a lot because it's a lot of time in your head. And I went into it very much like I made a lot of records. I can do this. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking like, oh well, if I do this amount of day and da 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 da, right. then it'll be done in a few months. And I would tell my friends who had actually written books, and they would just kind of like chuckle <laughs> at me and like, mm -hmm, all right. Talk to me in nine months to see how you're doing. And turns out, yeah, it was a total no. Every plan I had got thrown out the window. It was completely torturous. It was much more, not more physically exhausting than all the miles, but certainly more emotionally exhausting than I was prepared for. Um, so it, it turned out to be a kind of a bad call on that level. And, and now that it's done, I'm, I'm super, super proud of it. And uh and happy i did it and so no by the end it was just waking up dreading everything sitting down knowing that i had to finish it tour was coming up i because I, I'd, I'd sort of run out of money again and um and it's time to go and you know and i and really forget about the money i just missed singing i just missed it this thing that i kind of wanted to it was a careful what you wish for thing because i just i missed going out there and playing with people and playing for people and i always spend a lot of time alone but i was really spending a lot of time alone and i just didn't like it so ultimately it was just time to finish it and then i did um 
I ultimately got together a pretty good timeline, actually. By accident, I kind of cobbled together a timeline that I ended up just kind of filling in. And I came up with the idea of basing it on songs. It's based on 36 songs over the course of my life. And so I used those songs to go, who was I when this song was arriving? What was happening? And I kind of used the song to kind of jar my memories of the shows I was playing, the bands I was playing with, the people I was around. Um, so I guess that's the closest I came to a method. Is I, I put together, I have a timeline written on a piece of cardboard. Um, it's on a poster tube. And uh, and then the songs. That's cool. Yeah. This is my favorite song you've ever written. Thanks, man. This, see, he shows him, and now I will describe it to our listener, uh, every mistake. Yeah. See, the cool thing about going to see you play shows, for those of you who haven't, go because it's intimate and wonderful is you'll say what do you want to hear and i've said that song i don't know how many times to you and mm. you every damn time just played it every mistake it's about like a dad talking to his daughter right. and it kills me kills me every time <laughs> and i saw you like not like i did uh i was first unitarian and mm-hmm. feel like you stayed over yeah and my children were asking today because like which jonah Nice. Confused once again. Yes, but yeah. here's the thing. See, back to the Jonas. They're yeah. going to be, when we take a picture and I show them, they're going to be really confused because you didn't have a beard. Oh. And right. now you have one. That and that's confusing. how they identify with Jonah. But. And I, I kind of have an afro now. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But I do have to say that, uh, all due respect to your music, they've heard it. Kate's favorite song is uh, Stairway to Mar a Lago by United Nations. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Steven sent me some videos of, of her rocking out to you. Yeah, rules. It, it actually has now gotten to the point of uh, monotony because I have so many videos of her rocking out. Well, <laughs> me and Jonah have both shared the stage with Jeff Rickley many times. Yes. Uh-huh. So that is true. So Jonah, we have a segment on the podcast yes. called okay. Mystery Friend. That's where I'm bringing my phone out. Okay. Where we have a friend of yours okay. submit a question and then you have to answer it and then you have to guess who asked it. Okay. That's a good segment. Um, and created by Benny Horowitz. Created by Benny Horowitz. So uh, today's mystery. We, I wish we had music for it. Like, <laughs> put it under. Yeah. Like Jeopardy music. Yeah. You can't use that though. We can't use Jeopardy. You have to okay. pay Merv Griffin. Oh man. Oh my God, you Merv. do, don't you? Yeah. So or his the que- family, I guess. The, the question for today is: Ask him how he feels about Little Blue Bus. Yeah, this is a perfect example. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> you know? None. Zero. I don't know what it is. Nope. I have no idea what that is or who is saying it. I'm, yeah, just... Wow. No. Wow, this is a first. That's the first time. Uh, maybe if we figure out who it is, that will jog your memory. Yes, I agree. Uh, the only game I'm playing about who it is is just people that you know that, that it, I that It's I not going to be that hard. Well, it must be from that warp tour that you don't remember anything <laughs> yeah, from. It's, no, it's, it's Haley from Paramore. <laughs> that would be. Um, the only... Have we mentioned them in the podcast I mean, it, yet? It, is it, I mean, is it Norman? It is Norman. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. That's purely because Norman, Norman's the guy. Norman Brandon from New and Original. Yeah. So I, I got the reason. guess right still without knowing the what the hell's right. going on. That's what I love. Does that click anything with no. a little blue bus? <laughs> no. Absolutely <laughs> not. I don't like texting during podcasts, but I'm, I'm just going to see it. No. If, Let's do it. I think we the speaker phone him in. I mean, because I don't know what little blue bus is. Did he call Norman? Little. That would be funny if he called Norman. I love Norman. The only bus association I have is, I remember 
we did some dates. I did some dates with Me Without You, and they had this crazy school bus thing they were touring, and it was a total death trap. But I don't think that was Blue, and I'm not, I don't think Norman was there. Oh, I'm getting the dots, so he's, he's on his phone. Oh, he's in it. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry. This is going to be maybe boring for the listeners. I but love Norman. Sometimes I wish the music his Twitter in. handle was Norman. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I will provide the music for this segment. Okay. Yeah. I've got. I think I can hear the instrumental version of what will be good music for this. Oh, segment. here, listen, there it is. It's great. That was yeah. a great job. That was amazing. <laughs> okay. Here, that little hook. I love that. Here's hook. the That's answer. Good. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's a documentary someone made of New and Original in Germany. Oh. And it aired on German TV. Yep. And I never saw it. And the only thing I remember, I think, is that they use Scott's drum roll for the beginning of Hostage for kind of some of the score or something like that. But I never saw the link. Tell him, tell him if he knows where it is, I want to see it, please. That's crazy. Yeah. This documentary floating around about you and your band. This is, that's so, that's very indicative of, of me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's just a lot of that. Uh, there's a lot of things like that. And especially Norman, because he is the... He's the opposite of me. He remembers, as far as I can tell, every single thing that's ever happened in everyone's life. It's, it's, he's, uh, well, he, he, he says he has it, but he only has it on VHS. <clears throat> oh, that's great. I got a VCR still. Oh, you do? Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make this happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but is it a European VHS tape? Uh, oh, is it PAL? He said, pal? he said, he says that you guys have a screaming match on it. I remember the screaming match. <laughs> I do, because the and, only time that I ever heard and, Norman's voice raised, at me or anyone else. Yeah, he says, and we, bas- me. We, basically, <laughs> we basically break up in it. Yep. I remember that. Wow. And, so, and there was a camera running? I, I don't remember that. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> German camera. Yeah, German camera. Well, I mean, <laughs> can you do the yelling part again? <laughs> I don't think you are mad enough. Youth calls that anger? <laughs> so, so I've seen <laughs> Jews scream. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, <laughs> oh. Sorry, Germans. I do. Never gets old. Wow. Thank Never you for forget. Taking the heat off me. Usually <laughs> 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 my line. Uh, so what? What? <laughs> Whatever the joke is that's heading towards the edge, I'll always be the one yeah. to push it over. Oh man. Yeah. What? So what? <laughs> that was actually very like a very poignant and like yeah. That's my humor. It's, yeah. it's usually pretty like that. Yeah. Um, so when you're not kind of touring or like working on the book, like what do you kind of do? You live in San Francisco still in yep. the Bay Area. What mm-hmm. do you, what, like, what do you, do you like ride your bike or like what's your kind of. Yeah, I ride my bike. I walk around. I really enjoy the 70s and 80s game show channel. Um, I think it's a really neat, uh, time capsule of america it's really strange and i'm thinking about writing a book about that um oh my god you should i know yeah. you gonna call it long microphone is there not a book yet i don't, I I don't know do i don't know i just want to call it dawson that guy man i want to know wow. i want to know everything that was going on i'm gonna on kiss there. everything that comes <laughs> in it's, yeah. it's 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 really the moments that have happened on that show it's really something else um yeah i don't i don't do much um, I'm writing back to a lot of people, yeah. keeping in touch with people a lot. Um, I am mumbling ideas into recorders. Um, do you keep up on like newer bands and that kind of no. stuff? No, no, I, I play the game that I think a lot of people play now, which is like how far below the headliner can I get on a festival bill and know any of the bands. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and it's it's getting fewer and fewer and fewer. What's that? Um, what's that? Hard times. It's my favorite Twitter. It's like it's like the Onion, but for old punks. The hard yeah times. yeah hard times is pretty and cool. It's, stuff and there. it said something like um, like font for festival lineup goes into like illegibility or something. Right, right. I mean, something, yeah. like, something gets so small. Yeah. Illegible in more than one way. <laughs> yeah. No, I I definitely know more current R&B stuff than any anything related to rock or indie rock. Because there's like, like a that, whole like sure. new wave of like emo bands now. Right. Like everyone's like 17. Yeah. God bless them. It, well, it's like, you know, you discover what you what you didn't have like i learned it's like i learned about minor threat you know a good five years after they broke up and was irritated mm-hmm. you know and then you you want to find what's or create what's you love so so when i i, I just went to ride fest and oh yeah the, how was jawbreaker uh i cried Wow. I, I, I legitimately, bad, huh? I legitimately, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, to their credit, and I am a super fan, so I, I'm super jaded and critical. Uh, it sounded like a day hadn't passed. They were that tight. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I heard, I heard they were incredible. Sounds like 24 hour revenge therapy. Yeah. What, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you run into Tears. other people there, but there was a lot of people in their shirts from. <laughs> Sorry, Jonah. Awful. <laughs> Jonah's in wincing and pain. <laughs> Sometimes those pun darts go hard. <laughs> It was good. It was good seeing that. But there was like the crowd of me, oh, middle-aged yeah. dudes in black t-shirts, and then yeah. kids in their Jawbreaker t-shirts they had just bought. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, I, did no, make... I heard they did great. I'm really happy that they did. I'm just happy Blake is okay, at least for the time being. Like, Correct. I was actually quite worried. So, Blake, I hope you're okay. Yes. yes. He's been here a couple of times. He has. He's oh, been cool. on the podcast a few times. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been a actually, while. He, play, he came to our live show and played a, played a Jets song, which the whole crowd kind of... That's so good. Did Jumped. You, speaking, of, did you have any kind of change? Like, I know Epitaph bought like the J Tree catalog. Oh, right? yeah. Did that affect you at all? Or I guess I just got my first email from the dude who does, who's doing the payouts from Epitaph. So I've got to redo my W nine or whatever that is. And I have a secret dream that somehow they've got some secret from them. We're going to get more money now or something. But I really don't think that's going to happen. Um, um, and and that isn't to say, by the way, that's there's no. Uh, backhanded uh slight of of J tree they were actually great so i don't mean that i will get anything because i always do get a little bit from J tree still which is remarkable to me um but yeah of course i'm hoping that it'll be something neat and when i first got the letter i mean brett did the you know did this very well written i didn't think it was to me only but he did this letter that was so good at looking and feeling personal that i was like huh like how many people is he writing to right now but i have the feeling it was to you know hundreds and hundreds of bands or whatever the catalog was um so me in my earnestness i like wrote back i was like hey this is cool you know but then i never heard back from anyone um but yeah it's no nothing happened and me and norman have talked about it we were kvetching a bit about it just that i don't know what tim and darren got but i don't know it kind of sucks um to just to not get any money of i, I assume some big chunk of money changed sure, hands sure. so to not sort of share in that because we're and i get how business works again but this is one of the things i hate about business is you know is that i'm the guy that thinks that if a bridge gets built i think every whatever money is generated by that over the years like every dude that did that should get like a royalty you know should get like a songwriting royalty for who like who put their literal body into it of course that's not the way the world works the developer gets the money i get it um so that's that's me being a little dreamer but yeah no i don't think anything's gonna happen i 
I think it would be amazing if they reissued stuff. I mean, especially Thriller on vinyl um, would be good. Brad, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, wait, I have a good Blake story. I, I just did a record with Jay Robbins and Zach from Jawbox um, and a, an EP that I really, really love. And so I'm going to plug it because it's really good. Um, the project is called Kimura. Um, and at one point when we were having these little weekend sessions, uh, trying to write some stuff and, and record some stuff, Blake wrote to me and, and was just saying hi for some reason. And I mentioned that I was doing that. I was like, Hey, can I come down to the session? And I was excited cause I've always wanted to work with Blake. And so I wrote to Jay saying like, Hey, can Blake come? He's like, Oh, I don't know. Me and Zach, I've got a good thing going right now. And I don't want to, you know, mess up that whatever. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's true. And, 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 I do love working with those two guys, but I'm still kind of mad that we didn't like get Blake in on it. Come on, yeah, that yeah, that would have been cool, right? Yeah. yeah. So I still want to write with you, Blake. I want to. I'm just using this podcast to get yeah. messages to all no, the people I want to speak to. I would love if you wrote something with Blake. That would be amazing. And please document it. When is the yeah. when is the Jawbox J Robbins? It came out. It came, came out? out on a little. Like, this is the world now. It came out on this little German label, Arctic Radio, who are just the best. Um, okay. And they, yeah, I mean, actually, a radio station or two played it actually in the States, just people that were old FAR fans or old Jawbox fans or whatever. Um, I'm going to shout out 91X in San Diego because they've always been nice. And Hillary at 91X totally played it and plugged it, played two of our songs, actually. Um, and this is the thing. It, this is, and it's not saying whether the record is so great or not. I, I happen to really like it and everything. I think it's actually kind of neat and unique and all that stuff. And... There is a time when this record coming out would have been, there would have been more attention on it. And now there is just so much noise everywhere. It's just, it's just a, it's the proverbial drop in the ocean. It just, things come out and for two days people were really excited and writing to me and, and we did sell out of our little vinyl pressing that, that they made. And so that, so it was a, you know, a success or whatever, but the weekend's over, you know, they're, they're already calling Blade Runner a flop, you know, the new one because it didn't do 80 gazillion in the first weekend and i think this is the world now yeah yeah, it came and went and i really love it and we're gonna make more music we are making more music oh cool and yeah and and seriously listen to it you're gonna fucking dig it like it's really good and things go by these days as far as i can tell yeah no i think you're right i do like the fact that uh, you know when this is finished i'm going to get it and listen to it yeah me too someone else will and everyone listen to this you should get it yeah Yeah. no i mean it's it it, what a microcosm like you and jay robbins (laughs) well and me and jay i was just at jay's house because my place to crash fell through down near where he lives in maryland and uh and so i said hey can i come come and crash and so i got mm-hmm. to see him and cal and it was great and it's great to hang out and he actually played me some new ideas and gave me some so i'm gonna do some singing on them and that's why we've been doing the project but we were hanging out and talking about this and he was saying the exact same thing like he loves writing music still and he finds it strange that yeah there's this sort of vague sort of stature thing i mean he's just done so many things over so many years and 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 he he can't no one comes to see him. No one cares when he releases records. And it's, I mean, someone cares. You know, a small group of people care. But there's just, there's not a community the way there was. Now, it's just so splintered. And, and I understand that time has passed. I, I When I say this, I guess it's, it's I'm always careful to, 
clarify that I'm not bitter. I, in fact, again, I'm happy that I'm still making a living doing this and I'm happy with my little family and I'm aware of the choices I've made that have led to this. And Jay is as well. And it, he's not bitter. No one's bitter. Like, or at least someone is, but we're not. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're fine. We're like, we're happy people. And it is remarkable. It's a different time. And the, there's not the infrastructure of clubs and not the infrastructure of word of mouth. Um, ironically, there are all these means for people to communicate a lot more quickly, but there's just so much information flying around. It's sort of, um, yeah, I mean, ever since, pretty much ever since, uh, I forgot about what Napster ever since Napster I've been saying there's really no use in getting mad at this technology it's just technology and it's sort of like getting mad at the sun it's just something that exists and it is real there's it's changed everything um and all of this has changed everything and you know Spotify makes the old major label system look like a communist you know look like the NEA you know I mean it just it no one gets paid anymore yeah for anything I don't understand how any of that works but i will say i if i want to hear something i i will go to the library app i have and i will usually find it and mm-hmm. i can listen to it on my phone on my app and there's part of me that goes well i know i'm sharing it but my taxes pay for the library and i will i will buy it eventually but it's like when i first hear something i can i get it and there's i don't know there's i don't know if that's like wait hold on well, library i, I need to... okay so my local library yeah. I've talked about this so many times i love it so like there's there's an app for the library wow i just you wonder can, if we should be promoting this we should be promoting as much as i it. like the library they cuz they they uh, for instance my my show i already like this more than spotify if this is real <laughs> yeah like, yeah it's called going... the app is called hoopla and you put uh-huh. in your zip code and it connects to like your library card mm-hmm. and you can borrow up to like 10 titles a month I like it because there's comics on there, and uh, and they keep up with new releases. And they keep up with new releases. But you have to like. I got in a fight with my librarian. I've talked about this because because <laughs> you asked. I just like the sentence. I got in a fight with my librarian. Yeah, God, I love it. Yeah, that was I, just, the Greenpoint Library because yeah. I was trying to check out a book digitally, and she was like, "Oh, you're like number twenty five on the wait list." And I was like, "Yeah, but there's not like really a wait list. <laughs> like, it's not like there's one copy." And she was That's like, "No, amazing. you have to wait for people to return the digital copy before, or else everyone would just take it out at the same time." And I like. Could not wrap my head around wow, this. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, that's is it really like that? Good. Like it's like that. So so you get so so you get you get. That is fucking ridiculous. Oh God, Dude, that's, that's what amazing. I said. That's amazing. Like I get ridiculous is discussion or ridiculous what she was saying. What she was saying. Yeah, I mean, it's like, ridiculous. but she was basically like, no one. I kind of love it, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is ridiculous. It's so it's just an antiquated, really sweet concept that yes. there would be a digital file that people share like a physical thing in the age of you just put it up once and it's everywhere forever. I, yeah. yeah, I understand the sentiment. In yeah, it, but, it, but it's, I'm it's on not, your side. I mean, there's Thank a reason. There's insane. a reason for it's it. Insane. It's not sentiment. I have to. What's the reason? The reason is because if <laughs> if 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 you could, if everybody could get it anytime for free, why would anybody ever buy? Right. You already you know, can. Wait, you just no. People can get it yeah. all the time for free, and that's why they don't buy music. So it's we're talking about a book. I mean, I guess no, but you music already can. I was too. I was talking about a book, but that would go oh, for an, still that would go copy. for anything. I mean, digital, it is. Yeah. But a I'm saying anything. like, so when they, you know, the reason that the publishers, it doesn't cost them that much to send like a bunch of books to the library either, but they don't because. There's a for there's a reason for it. I, well, yeah, <laughs> I, no, I agree. Then that's basically what she was saying. She was like, yeah, no one would buy this book. If there's an ideological just- reason for it that is wonderful. Yeah, and I love the ethic of it. 
I think it's, um, I mean, and I wish the world were more like that. Because, right. pe- yes, there would be more of a value to art still. And so I like that the library is toeing the line. I re- <laughs> like, I seriously like it. And the logic of what she's saying is totally insane. But but this happens. Hold on, but this, but, but, on, but this yeah, happens yeah, yeah. in other contexts too. Like, do you ever go on Amazon and like the digital version's cheaper, or the the physical version's cheaper than a digital version? It's like paperback yeah, seven dollars, digital fifteen. That's why because, I don't. That's the one reason that I don't do digital. And I'm like, how books. does that's, it cost? That's because they're. That's like used sellers. Other. Other sellers. Selling oh no 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 this is because it's the same way that software used to be before they figured out like different schemes to get people to buy it is because they know that many people are going to be pirating it so they ream the people that are actually going to pay the money for it right here here's John the digital version is priced up because the people that care enough to buy it will pay more than they need to because they're factoring in all of the theft. Also, also right. the, I the publishers with Amazon often do deals when paperbacks come out that they do uh, sales. Well, there's that too. There's the oh, yes, okay. that's so, real. Yeah, if, especially if it's a newer release that's like newly on paperback, they'll be like a month for seven ninety nine. But the digital version will always just be this price it is. Yeah, but. How much are the digital? It's like $17 for a digital. It, it depends. Whatever it is. It, it depends. depends. Yeah, it yeah. changes. Well, here's Jonah Matranga on my library app. Wow. So I can borrow it and then it'll return itself after and like... So what else, is that the only record on there? Uh, no, Fort Minor's on here. But... This is the only one on here Yeah, for the, on, on, on this app right here. See, I don't understand how that stuff works. Is that So this uh, EP he's looking at is this... It's this four-song EP with me and this guy, Mikey J. Reds, who this his label, I believe, was Engineer Records. They're from the UK. <laughs> Easy Listening would be the genre. <laughs> <you're doing. laughs> Easy Listening, which is genius. Yeah, Engineer, okay. So we were on one tour, and this was our tour EP. <laughs> okay. And I don't know what they did to distribute this thing digitally, but it is the only thing of mine that is listed under all these databases. So that is whoever so is weird. doing the digital distro for Super Engineer, weird. you are a genius. <laughs> but I don't know why none of the other things that I've uploaded through my distributors well, aren't on there. Let's look at this because there's another library app that I that I don't particularly use. But you have two library apps? I have three library oh apps. Thank you I want to get them all. <laughs> Me too. Now. So this one's called Freegal and this is... So if you guys are looking for rare Jonah B-sides and, and it's obscure EPs... There you go. Use your Freegal. library. Yeah. library. You're all over this one. Freegal. There you go. There's a whole bunch of you. Mm-hmm. And this is a library app, so you can you can you can borrow stuff, and then it will return. And you're only allowed. Yep. Countrysides is in there again. That yeah. little EP, and the and also yeah, the Equal Vision people. I really feel like this must have been a time or something because I did a DVD CD thing called "There's a Lot in Here," which is kind of a live thing. I have it. around the time of the volunteers and. That also is on every, it was the first thing and is the first thing that comes up on Spotify and all that stuff still. So I don't know what, I feel like it must be the time they uploaded it or something and where it kind of got set in amber because I've never figured out how to have more recent things than this, these two 10 year old things be on these databases. It's like the library's programmer, like is, is, it's like, it's like programming a radio station. Like I had heard. Uh, one song by that that band, uh, the the Regrets, the Regrets. They're like fifteen, sixteen year old girls. And they did a cover of Fox on the Run, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty good. I'll listen to this." And uh, looking on the library app, oh, there it is. <laughs> See if I like it. It's great. 
See, but, all the, so all this, like, when you ask him yeah. what was depressing and 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 careers, this is all circling back to because we're discussing a library app now, and that things aren't worth anything. And that I don't even know how at the time when the artist should have the most control over what is available to everyone through this digital mothership, I clearly have the least control. And these two 10-year-old things are the only things showing up there. And I have no idea how to make that change. None. And it's just, it's a remarkable paradox to me right now. There's, the artist should have more control and, and an easier access to revenue than ever. Even if it is worth nothing, there should still be an easy way right. to get anyone who wants to pay for it to pay for it. And it's all, I don't, I don't understand it. So, what's, so what's, what's, the, what's the answer? What's the water and solution? Uh, oh man! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh god, he's sitting on it. Oh, Jeez, but, no, but, but seriously, I mean, is there is there like? <laughs> sorry. No, there's no answer. There's no answer. No. When Napster um, first came out, someone said the smartest thing and said, "Far be it for anyone other than the music industry to screw the artist out of revenue." I don't know who said it, but it was so perfect. I started Joe Napster after Napster came out, where I. I I, I, when all this stuff was going starting to go for free, I just, I just started uploading MP3s to my little website back then and saying like, and again, you can pay what you want for these. This is way before, like iTunes didn't even exist. Um, it was uh, so I was I was trying. So I actually have tons of answers. I actually was part of a collective called uh, what were we called the Content Creators Coalition. I'm sure it's still going. It's like John McRae from Cake was a big proponent of it, and I was it was the only time I've ever been in a meeting with Tom Waits that was easily the coolest thing that ever happened um but we're all sitting in a circle going what do we do oh he's the guy from uh the guy from cracker i believe david lowry yeah yeah yeah. and because he's a lawyer right i think Um, yeah so he was like and everyone was talking about battling spotify and fighting for musicians royalties and fighting for our rights and i just looked and i was like look you guys why don't we just make a cool little service where we put our stuff on there and people can pay a, a subscription to it and they get access to this stuff of this collective of artists that they know they're buying from artists that are, the money's actually going to us and there's not a $30 million CEO payout happening. It's just all, it, someone pays seven bucks um, or even better, just we have micropayments now, just go on a thing and every time you listen to one of my songs, I get some, you know, some tiny amount of money, but that... You'd think that's what would happen on Spotify, but it's not because everything's weighted and there's all these different algorithms that no one can figure out and no one really has access to because it's intellectual property. So there is an easy way around this. There's all the technology. And I'm not mad at you consumers and I'm not mad at you humans, but this is, I'm going to also circle back to the white supremacy thing. It's just, there's a lot of people who just kind of can't be bothered. They've got all the music they want. They're not really worried about what's happening on the other end of it. They're not really worried about the consequence of their, like the other side of their privilege. And I'm like that in lots of ways too. You know, I love my hot showers in the morning. I'm aware that those have to do with the, you know, like I get how the world works. And there is just this sort of complacency. So there's not the will, there's not the collective will to do something interesting about this, but there's lots of things to be done and there's all the technology to do it. Um, and sometimes when I get really frustrated, I think, gosh, I should just go build a platform, you know, just kind of, I, I live near Silicon Valley. I could get some people together 
And the sad truth of the voice in me is that people just don't give that much of a shit. They're, if it's not as good a deal as, you know, as Walmart, then they're not going to buy it. Yeah. I mean, that's just the deal. It's just, you know, I use Amazon. I'm aware of Amazon. I understand. And I still use it. You know, and it's fine. It's it's just, we're doomed. It's cool. <laughs> there's really no, there's no like fun answer to it. It's just, <laughs> we're, we're, we're lazy the, and we're doomed. The book at the library, like you literally could just go find it. Like you could just go find a download of it. Sure, that's my like, th- that's my third library app. It has a, a barcode scanner, so I'll like go to a bookstore. No, I'm saying and like I'm saying like you get in the argument with the lady. She's like, you have to wait. Like yeah. most people wouldn't wait. They just be like, okay, I'll just go to where I usually. Oh yeah, illegally the fact that you even shit. yeah, the like, fact <laughs> you even have a conversation with a, no yeah. one even knows the librarian is anymore. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. not the, 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 that conversation is happening. That you have an app. I mean, I want to know how many people have that app because I can't imagine it's that yeah. many. Um, just me. Just, just, what you, My just mom has it. Does your mom have it? I'm sure she does. She's really into that kind of stuff. <laughs> I go to the library every day. Well, it's quite, it's quite a Venn diagram of someone who's savvy enough to have apps, but also still into libraries. <laughs> yeah. it's a, that's a real, that's a narrow <laughs> that subject. That is true. That is true. Yeah. I love And the yeah. frustrating thing to me with music now is like your main like music consumers are not us. It's like kids. Yeah. It's teenagers. But teenagers now grew up with like I want like every single record that was ever made. Oh, like, my daughter, we boom. would or yeah. like I listen to music on YouTube. Take my daughter to school, <laughs> she would have she would be playing a song and uh, and she had, would have been playing that song like four times in a row in the last few mornings and and if I liked it, oh, what's this tune? Like who is this? She's like and she would have no idea. She'd literally look at the iPod. She would love this song. She'd have a total relationship with it, but the she had been she would just trade her whole iPod right. with a friend. And her friend would just give her their 40 gigs of music. And that's the music she would listen to for a while. And so it was just a totally different relationship. I tried giving her a couple CDs for birthdays and stuff. They just literally sat on her shelf. Um, her her main music listening uh, really was YouTube initially. Before, yeah. before Spotify and Pandora got going, she would just be dialing up stuff on YouTube. Um it's just a very, it's a very different sensibility. It's a very different relationship with it. And she loves music, I think, as much as I did. It's just, I think that the people, like way. the masses, used to have to buy it to consume it at all. Now yeah. you don't. They're the small people, amount of people who really get into it do eventually like go to the show and buy the merch. Or like, there's kids now that are into like collecting vinyl or like those, like they're kind of silly, but. The labels that like just put out cassette tapes mm-hmm. and kids buy those. Why? But it's God, a small it. amount of people. It's tiny, yeah. It's not, I think that it might, the change might be that it's just going to be smaller. So I think it circles around to. Oh, is it smaller. It is smaller. Yeah. But, uh, and getting smaller. Like yeah. the, yeah. It's no, I mean, the, the, the real, the, the myth of that whole equation, because yeah, the whole selling point for, for Naps Drawn Up was, the music's going to be free now. You know, this is what the world decided for for musicians. Music's going to be free, you guys. We're not going to give you money anymore for music. So take that. And people are going to come to your shows and they're going to buy your shirts yeah. and they're going to do da 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 And the simple math that, again, it's not, it's not difficult math to do. It's not that people can't figure it out. It's that people don't want to deal with this very obvious logic, which is that, okay, so let's say half the money. Let's say someone made 50 bucks uh, you know, on music and 50 bucks on their show merch, just a nice little round number. If that 50 bucks is gone and they've got to make 
$100 now from the shows, that means that band has to tour twice as much. Right. And if every band is touring twice as much, then every club is overbooked. And the fans, even the most ardent fans, if their band comes around once in a year, they're going to all go see them. How many of those people are going to go see them if they come around again? Not as many. And so there's just this obvious math of that that was never a... That was the total selling point. That was the the, the rhetoric. And it never made any sense financially. Well, and then then at a certain point, every label was like, you're signing a 360 deal yeah, anyway. every label figured well, that right. out. And so, the venues exactly. take a cut of everything. Exactly. And, yeah. and you can't play this town because there's a festival happening. That, and yep. so... And you got your claws. You, got to, yeah, you yeah. can't do that. No, and all the... And all the I mean, and I don't, I don't bemoan... Uh, you know, promoters as well, because I mean, they were getting overloaded with bands. They were doing these big, are still probably doing these big payouts that they can't afford, and no one's coming out. And 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 again, I'm going to insert the disclaimer: I'm not mad about this. It's just, I think I write in there that at one point during Gratitude, actually, Gratitude was doing a radio tour, radio promotion tour. We'd have this great meeting with everyone, super fun, and we would leave. And literally two weeks later, the whole station would shut down and be replaced by talk radio or sports oh radio God. or whatever. It would just, it was, we were, we were like, it was, it was like one of those action movies. We were like running along the tundra with the storm, like beyond us. It was decimating everything in its path. And that was you were like, us. You were Johnny anti-seed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And everything was dying. And that's when, yeah. And so I, I said that I felt like a coal miner in a world gone solar or something like that. And that's, and it's, it's true. It just, it's just. There's no money in it anymore. I mean, there's there's some money, but it's not. Yeah, it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah, and that's just and that's coming for video as well. It's already happening in video, but that's just a question of bandwidth. It's not a question of people cherishing video content more than audio content. Uh, it's just that people can't get it as easily. Trust me, my wife. My wife still works at Fuse. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. They were booking. I didn't know that there was a Fuse. She's still. booking bands. Well, you know what's funny is is not to. Uh, well, hell, it's cheap. My insurance still comes from there. But uh, they have a whole separate channel that's just all music videos and stuff called FM. And that's the majority of the stuff they do, which is very odd to me because I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Because I'm not, I'm not involved. It's like I love music, got a job talking to people about music. And then when I had to, had to care, it kind of annoyed me. Yeah. So now that I don't have to care anymore, I can look at it from a different angle. And the fact that there's something out there that's a place that just plays music it's 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 comforting. I don't know people get compensated enough for something, but somebody had to care enough for it to be created. Yeah, and I'm 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 actually neither happy nor sad about this stuff. It's just I like having actual conversations about things, whether they're systems of oppression or economies changing. I just like when people speak honestly about what's happening. I don't like this idea of like having to tell a story so we can still feel good about ourselves as consumers or producers or whatever it is. Let's just say what it is and let's just have a good look at that and see how it feels. But people don't like to feel bad and I, I get it. Um, and I don't like to feel bad either, but I don't feel bad when I think about it. I just feel like this is true. And when I feel bad is when I realize that I've been telling myself a lie to make myself feel better. That's a shitty feeling. Um, but looking at the way things are, it's just the way things are. Um, and I do recognize that a lot of people see it as kind of a bummer <laughs> because people tell me that they think I'm a bummer. No. 
Oh. You wrote this awesome book. And hey. I'm noticing on your book, there's no barcode. Where can nope, people get it? That, yep. They can get it from my website. From you. They can go to my website uh, and they can buy it out on sliding scale. Um, and yeah. Love it. It's, uh, yeah, the first batch I really wanted to do totally DIY. Um, and I didn't, I've never liked barcodes. Um, but I can buy an ISBN code when I need it and stuff like that. So presuming I get through these. Um, I will do another pressing um, with some of the typos. It's all you, man. It's all me, man. It's uh, that's it. I'm lucky that that's always been really fun for me because it turns out that's the only reason I've survived is sweat equity is just kind of that. Yeah, I mean, I I priced that book out. I did the ordering. I did the manufacturing. I did yeah. the mailing. I did the everything. I did all the goofy work i made that little bookmark uh, it comes with a um, bookmark which bookmarks are one of my favorite things yeah i know me too i was more excited about hitting the bookmark than anything else <laughs> <laughs> um, i was like i made a bookmark uh but yeah no that's that is the book um and it's a, it's a sweet little thing and you can't see it everyone but when you buy it you'll see that they're looking they're wrinkle looking things on the cover and that isn't me on photo in photoshop that's that my friend was going to design the art for this for this cover was going to design this cover and uh, wasn't getting it together and had to turn in the book and so I ripped the cover off of a book of a of a similar size and wrote on the inside of that cover of that book so this is the inside of the cover of a book I think called The Problem with Civilization um, and uh, yeah so that's why it is the color it is and when the spine is white I didn't turn it white that's actually the like the spine glue and that's me writing oh. on the spine glue yeah, did you post this on Instagram? I feel yes, like this I, did. I told familiar. this little story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, but it's cool if you guys go to Jonah's Instagram because you can see. Oh yeah, so I put the cover of the other book. Right. Yeah, that's right. So you can see the actual color of it. Anyway, yeah, that is my and little you're, book. And you're torn. You're torn yeah. about. You're doing doing your shows. Like yep. when you say you're doing some shows, it's like I'm doing a show here at a venue. I'm doing somebody's house. I'm doing. Yeah, this tour is a place called Ralph's Rock Diner in Worcester, a comic shop in Somerville. The 10th anniversary of a couple whose wedding I sung at and played at their 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 first dance uh, 10 years ago. Um, I played in their basement in Delaware. Um, and then I'm doing this, yeah, this little reading here. I'm playing another wedding thingy. Um, and yeah, this isn't me singing like Whitney Houston tunes, although Whitney's great, but I wouldn't be the one to sing those at a wedding. But it's people who grew up with the music that want to hear me play these songs at their wedding. Um, and it's really, really sweet. And so doing that, play a house show in Connecticut, come back and play Mercury, go up and do uh, a show in a church in Ithaca, New York, and then five shows in Canada that I think are more at kind of regular clubs. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, this summer was two months. It was... 40 show summer in like 10 countries and stayed in maybe four hotels over the summer. I mean, it was all just staying with people and um, a lot of shows that just be yeah, booked personally. And um, that's, that's the little life. It's a, it's a very low cost, simple, hyper personal life. And yeah. And so the book is called alone rewinding and which is also an anagram for one line drawing. Um, <laughs> And uh, 23 Years of Fatherhood and Music. And it's about this. It's about that this has been my family and that this is my family. And my family is my daughter and, you know, my sister and my mom. And I have some really close friends. And then this group of people that is like the music because they've literally sustained me and still do. And 
Um, and yeah, so all of my doomedness, real talk aside, that part is just, uh, that's been the best. It is the best. It's, it's insane. It makes me so unbelievably happy that I've managed to have a life doing this. All right. Wow. Thank you so much to Jonah Matranga for coming by. Um, bringing it home. Bringing it home six years later. Uh, but we're not six years older. That's the crazy part about this. Yeah, we have not aged. Not at all. Uh, I have just as much hair, and I have the same mustache <laughs> as I did when I was 30 or 31. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out uh, Jonah's new book, Alone Rewinding. It's great. You can get it um, at jonahmatranga.com. Uh you can join his mailing list. He's got this really, really cool website. But yeah, uh, and check him out live. Like he, Jonah still tours. He's, you know, uh, he was just out here in New York. Um, you can book a house show for him. He was talking about how he played, he's played a wedding and then he just played someone's 10 year anniversary of their wedding. Um, and he's got a couple house shows coming up in November and he's going to the UK in January. So if you're in the UK, um, definitely check that out. But uh, yeah, read Jonah's book. It's fantastic. You should really support him. He's a really amazing artist. Who's good people, man. Yeah, who's really in it for the art, which is like not, you don't find that many people like that these days. Everyone's trying to like network or build their brand or like whatever fucking get free yoga leggings or, you know, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, I just feel like I'm inundated with (laughs) free yoga leggings. This is like a big thing. And this is like, I don't want to get into this whole thing, but like, this is a big thing in like the yoga scene where it's like, people are like, we'll like do some crazy pose and they'll have all these followers and they'll be like this like long post about like spirituality and like finding yourself. And then they're like tagging like eight clothing companies. And it's like, what are, listen, I, I am a fan of free stuff, but it's like, that's one way to do things. And I feel like Jonah, I mean, it's funny, like even him talking on this podcast about turning down like all this money for a co-commercial. It's like, it's amazing. I was just the whole time he's talking, I'm putting myself, I was like, yeah, who cares? I would do it. (laughs) But it's like, I'm not, you know, like that. I, I really respect that mentality. And like down the road now, it's so much fucking cooler that you didn't do it. You know? Like, yeah. Well, at the time, it's the way things were. We yeah. talk about that. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a different, it's hard to understand, but it was just different. Was yeah. Different. And he did the right thing for the time for sure. Sure. Yes. But uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely support Jonah. Check out his book. Uh, thank you to all our patrons. Patreon, patrons of patrons Patreons. on patreon.com Patreon. slash going off track yes thank you to everyone who's donated via venmo and paypal um that's been very helpful and also thank you once again to pulse music and steven grywalski for engineering and helping us sound so good and yeah we'll be back with another episode um patrons you'll get it on monday everyone else you get it on wednesday um and i can't tell you who it is but it's someone great that you'll love. (laughs) So talk to you next week.